0: All the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. is spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones, game winner, and it's over, ball game! Touchdown, Jawan Stinson! 25 yards! JJ, J.J. German for the win! He got it! J.J. German and the
1: Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs! And the sidekick.
2: Shout off to my little friend! What's your name, man? I told you! It you doesn't know. matter what your
3: name is! You're handsome, you have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent.
1: It's Sandoz and the
2: Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Jay
0: Sandoz, Mike Gallagher. It is a playoff edition of Sandoz and the Sidekick tomorrow, 7.30. Jacksonville State Gamecocks, your ETSU Buccaneers. And I don't know, it's been, what, 22 years since the excitement, Mike? And I can't tell you how excited I am for the contest. It's been a long time coming for the fans. And it just took four short years Although I'm sure for the players, it didn't feel that way. And some of them five years, obviously, practicing, not playing. But it took a short period of time, relatively speaking, for the Bucks to get back in the big dance.
2: I'm just glad to you have your voice back. That means good things for the broadcast tomorrow. I think it's a good omen for the Bucks, And they have an opponent on the other side of them that is, boy, uh, talented. You had a chance to talk with head coach Randy Sanders at the – ETSU coaches show on Wednesday night. That's right. Night before Thanksgiving, still out there grinding and talking with coach Sanders in front of what sounded like a boisterous crowd at Wild Wing cafe. So that was nice to hear. And he had some, I thought really insightful things to say, Jay, it seems more and more, and perhaps it's the fact that, and please, you know, enlighten me on this, the fact that he's the first year on the show and still kind of maybe getting comfortable with you and whatever the case may be. But the more things go along, it seems like the more he's willing to open up to you and give you some of the tricks of the trade.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, all about trust, and, and it, it's hard sometimes to build relationships. Sometimes it's easy with coaches, and I think it all depends on prior experience. For Coach Sanders, I mean, he's been at Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida State. You're talking SEC, ACC, big boy football, uh, a couple of national championships. So when you look at it that way, certainly ETSU has um, – uh, not the same, right? The coverage isn't the same. Uh, the beat writers aren't the same. You're not talking about 50 to 70 different newspapers trying to get an edge, trying to find something different. and Scooping you. Yeah. Oh, well, exactly. And, and to be honest, there's controversies when he was at Tennessee. There's been controversies clearly at Florida State. <laughs> so uh, it's just a different animal. So I think learning – Um, sort of how the media market is here. I think learning how we work together and that, I I think it all just came together slowly, but also in the same token, I've had coaches that took three, four years to build a relationship with. I think we're we're starting to get to the point. and, And I try to ask questions That are a little generic that he can give us just a little bit of glimpse without giving away trade secrets, and I found that interesting. Last week, when I asked the, or Wednesday, not last week, but Wednesday, when I asked him about like what happens in between a series, and that's an insight I think is interesting. For fans, it was interesting for me, and and I think that's something that that you can get. And of course, he didn't give you a full breakdown of well, we're going to change plays, we're going to. It was just basically how the conversation went and how they progress as a squad. But I think he's getting uh, a little more comfortable with all of us and i think when he starts to joke around right that's the ultimate sign when he's giving you a hard time he's joking around when he interrupts me you know that you know before he had never interrupted me and then he'll just randomly interrupt me about tater tots or something so that's how i think you know uh, he's starting to trust in, in what we're doing and the fact that when we talk off air he knows i haven't given away any trade secrets when he has given me information that the general public shouldn't be aware of
2: That same question that you talked about with the in-between series, what happens, this was part of his answer to that. How are you seeing the game? Is it happening fast? Is it happening slow? Are you able to see
1: the coverages? Are you able to see safety rotation? Because we've all had games where it it seems like everything's happening in slow motion. You're able to see everything. As a play caller, that tells me I can probably put a little bit more on the quarterback and a little more more responsibility on him where – If it's happening fast, he's not seeing it well, then I need to take some of the decision-making off of him and try to simplify it a little bit for him for a while until he can start seeing it.
2: That's on how he communicates with Austin Herrick after each drive, and it's a glimpse into what I think makes him such a good play caller. You hear Austin Herrick and some others talk about, man, he is really masterful when it comes to laying out drives and keeping defenses off balance, but also playing to how Austin Herrick is feeling that specific day.
0: I, I I found that interesting too because it was like, it, it he admitted that it, even as a, himself, you know, as a former player, even as a coach, sometimes you're not you're not feeling. It. It's not your day. It's not your groove. Somebody's throwing stuff at you that you weren't prepared for. So, you know, he may have to call things differently for Austin. I also, read into that, he may call things differently for himself to to get things. So I I enjoyed that part of it. And then as everything slows down or as the game takes a different shape, then all of a sudden I think he opens up the, the playbook more. And I thought it was interesting that he could call plays where the decision-making process is simplified. You know, and I don't know if that means he calls a play and says, okay, you know, run, blah, 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 and you will throw to this guy, or blah, 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 we're just handing off and going, there's no read to it. But, you know, so I, I think that's that's a great glimpse into sort of how his mind works and how the – the team goes in the same token it probably shows you different parts of the game where people are like man why aren't we doing that the whole game well now now we kind of know you know whether a defense is doing something different or just austin was not having that type of day and things weren't clicking early they were able to adjust on the fly
2: i enjoyed this deep dive into jacksonville state's defense
1: they are very similar to samford in the fact that they play a base four down front uh they're a little different than Sanford in that they're they're much more aggressive with what they do uh, from a defensive standpoint. They're not a tremendous amount of blitz as far as secondary blitz things like that. They they will blitz backers and things like that, but not a lot of secondary blitz. They basically get up in your face. They challenge you. They dare you to uh, to beat them. You know, where Sanford was a little bit softer coverage wise, give you a few more things underneath. These guys pretty much make you try to throw the ball down the field and it's one of those games you don't necessarily as a quarterback complete 70 percent but if you can complete 50 percent you may average 18 20 yards of completion that all depends on protection obviously protection has got to be good your receivers have really got to step up and play and and they're they're in your face and they, they've got a safety that is a really really good player number one i deal in jersey numbers much more than uh, names but uh Really good football players. Their corners, uh, number seven, number ten, number eighteen—they're up in your face. They're going to challenge you, and they have some length. They're—they're they're all in that five um, eleven to six one range, but long arms, long legs can give you problems if—if if you don't—if you don't execute well.
2: I'm sure you've watched some tape by now, so I'm not sure if those numbers ring a bell any more than they would have on Wednesday. But numbers one, seven, ten, and eighteen—and really, it's just the tip of the iceberg. With that secondary, they have, from what it sounds like, even too deep at some positions, guys that were at Auburn and SEC schools, uh, the too deep that have transfers from some really recognizable name-type programs, and Coach Sanders made it sound like there, and in this bite as well, that nothing is going to be easy against the Gamecocks.
1: One of the things offensively, you always look for, what are your layups? What, what, do, what do they give you that's easy? from an offensive standpoint. And these guys really give you nothing easy. They make you earn everything you get. Defensive backs are up in the receiver's face. They're going to be challenging them. The safety's up in the box to stop the run game. Talented safeties like they have, put them behind an experienced defensive line like they have, and they make it very, very difficult to run the football. Then they're going to challenge you outside to make you uh, execute in the passing game. And there's no question receivers are going to have to step up. They're going to have to have a big game. Austin, once we get people open, is going to have to hit them. All that being said, there there's a lot of opportunities out there to create plays, make some big plays. It's a big part of our success will de- depend on whether we hit those plays when the opportunities
2: come. So there's Randy Sanders on Jacksonville State and the defense and what it sounded like is, and this is what I've seen when looking into some of their losses, looking into some of the numbers, and you'll hear this much more when I talk with Austin Herrick here in a couple of segments. And you probably won't hear a lot of it from John Grass, who is in our next segment, and then we're closing out the show with a mystery guest, per se. If you have found us on Twitter, you already know who it is, but a big name to talk, Randy Sanders. Uh, I have found, Jay, and this is just my summation, and I'm very interested to hear yours as well. Um, I think this is a good matchup for ETSU. I, I think that the other team is very talented on both sides of the ball. You talked with Mike Rader and Billy Taylor, and they seem to reflect the same but there are mistakes out there that Jacksonville State makes on both sides of the ball. Their special teams has given up a lot of big plays, and while you can talk about a lot of talent, it's also a lot of youth for Jacksonville State, and that's where I think some of the mistakes come in. What have you seen on tape? What's your evaluation of Jacksonville State? Obviously a very good team, but are there some holes like I think there are to be had for ETSU?
0: They certainly give up big plays on defense, and so I think – If ETSU is able to control the football and, as Coach Sanders said, hit those big plays, then I think uh, ETSU has a shot to actually put a lot of points on the board. I thought they were uh, on pace to put up 35, 40 points against Sanford. Now, credit Sanford. They did some things a little bit differently defensively in the second half. In the same token, ETSU had, I can think off the top of my head, three pretty big errors that kind of cost them – Uh, There was a a drop pass would have been a first down. I think Austin missed the wheel route, which would have been a huge play to Sailors' uh, offensive line. Just missed a guy. Austin took a a sack, which, which really, by the time he did the fake, he turned around. He was on the ground. So there were three major miscues that killed three different drives. Otherwise, ETSU had a pretty successful day. Playoff football, all that is magnified more if ETSU can avoid those three major. It's one thing to have a a minus one or minus two, it's another thing to have a 10-yard sack. It's right. another thing to miss two sure first down, big play, down the field situations. So if they can hit those – and he sounded confident to me more than uh, other coaches' shows where he felt good about hitting big play. So I think that's the key. The other thing is Jacksonville State's offense will give you opportunities to take the ball away, and teams have been able to take the ball away of either beating them or hung in their tough – teams that have missed those opportunities from the few games I've seen then Jacksonville State's good enough to make them pay and I think the other thing I think will be important is the defensive line had trouble getting to Hodges now Sanford's offense Jacksonville State's offense completely different other than the types of play they run the speed and everything else is taken out of it plus Jacksonville State will run the football they're a little it's weird because they're a little bit of a hybrid between Western and Furman. You know, there's no option attack, uh, so the run type game they do is more Western Carolina, um, but the pacing of the game and everything's more like Furman. So, and that some of the some of the sets because Furman doesn't really line up in three back sets a lot, right? They just have a one guy. So it's a little bit of both. Some of the passing concepts are like like Sanford, so you know they've they've seen it all between maybe three teams, but it's all done uniquely, and then they've got some uniquely gifted uh, talented players, especially at receiver when you go about six seven six four six four six two, and then they do have a couple of jitter bugs there about five eight five nine that that can play the slot so it'll be a challenge for the secondary, but the d line can can create some problems for um, uh, Zietrich Cooper, the quarterback for Jacksonville State, then I think the Bucs could have a successful day.
2: Yes, yeah, so you got Cooper, who is a backup of Clemson, and you got three offensive linemen that, and you didn't hear it in the sound bites, but Randy Sanders talked about it. SEC guys previously, and then you've got on the outside Billy Taylor said it was like a basketball team, yeah, six seven, six three. Uh, one of them is Josh Pearson, who's got seventeen touchdowns this year. The running backs, it looks like they kind of. It's very diverse. They go with, like, six or seven guys, depending on the day. Uh, this past week, and I know Coach Gross was happy to see this, but Jalen Green had 92 yards on 15 carries, and that's someone they're really high on. And, and really he's a
0: transfer rushing. from Cincinnati, if I'm so not mistaken. So there's another So
2: you've got another one there, and then Coach Sanders uh, in one of the Bites talked about, yeah, they've got a couple backups you know, from Auburn. So they've got the talent, clearly, but, uh, again, I, I don't know if it's necessarily the team that – you just have no chance again I know we're three touchdown underdogs but it's not the team that is honed is very fundamentally sound in every little aspect where you don't see a lot of chances I think it's more of a team that while there is some pedigree there a lot of the guys that they rely on I'm not quite sure if are those guys that you know have been there have had major success in the playoffs I know it's what, I mean, fifth time in a row that, that they've made it, and Coach Cross does a great job. But certainly it seems like, as you mentioned, and Coach Sanders said and made sure to stress, if you can hit those opportunities over the top, which, let's be honest, since that Furman game, I'm not sure you've really hit the big pass a lot. Braxton Richburg made a really nice catch last game on a you know, 30, 35-yard completion. But it, it, you have to have your best game. I think there's no doubt about that. But if you have your best game, you might come out with a W and go to Maine.
0: Well, the one thing, uh, you know, being in this business a long time, yeah. you, you run into some people, and one of my – Favorite former uh, SIDs was Joel Lamp, who was at Jacksonville many years when we were in the ASUN. He's a Jacksonville State grad and covered him for a lot of playoffs when he was a student. That was his first job out of college and before he started bouncing around. And when the bracket came out, he immediately sent me a message that this is a great matchup for ETSU. Wow. And I thought, hmm, interesting. So I followed up with the same thing. And one of the, the, he brought up many good points, and I don't have time to bring them all up, but the last point I thought was interesting. Jacksonville State has a tendency to lay an egg in the first round of the playoffs. Interesting. Against no matter how outmatched in the spread and all the other fun stuff. Right. They have demons, as he worded it. Jacksonville State has trouble overcoming their demons in the playoffs, and he doesn't know why, but he's clearly been following them for the last 20-some years, so he's seen plenty of first-round bounce-outs. Right. So he's concerned for his Gamecocks for the simple reason of they've had trouble there They've had trouble against big plays. They tend to get impatient and force stuff in playoffs, especially if they get down early. So he laid out a lot of things on how ETSU could be successful, and he's not generally a guy – that downplays everything as uh, kind of poops everything, nature, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, he's he's not usually the glasses half empty guy, right. right? And so he's usually a super positive guy. So for him to lay out some things to, to ETSU there made me feel pretty good about the chances at well.
2: Well, and Coach Gross, I'm sure you saw this quote. He said, "Love the draw," and I don't know if ETSU's using that as a motivation. I know Randy's not really one to get caught up in that and bring it to the guys, but. Loved the draw, and I was curious how much that had to do with ETSU or how much maybe it had to do with Maine in the next round. But you can certainly spit it in the fact that ETSU is getting some disrespect.
0: Yeah, no, and, and, and you know, coaches looking for any edge whatsoever, and the truth is you'd probably have to go back and look at the last three or four playoff draws for Jacksonville State. There's probably a lot to went into that thought, more than – They're playing ETSU. They're playing Delaware. They're on the opposite side of North Dakota State and James Madison. I mean, there's a lot that you could look at. But the other thing is because they've had first-round bouncing. Maybe he feels like the matchups they've had in the first round where they've played uh, Sanford, they've played Kennesaw State, they've had Wofford. I mean, they've had all these tough teams in the southeast because of geographical, if they would have actually seeded it, they would have had an easier first-round match. There's probably a lot that went into that. But certainly if you're ETSU and you just read the quote as is, you could see uh, where that is. And, and if ETSU needs more motivation. Every single game this year just about they've been an underdog. Every single game you know people are, are dogging them for barely winning and how are they doing and should they be in now people are, they shouldn't be in the playoffs and you got Jacksonville State saying oh I love the draw so there's a lot of things I'm sure Coach Sanders is holding on to in the old pregame speech will be entertaining
2: I know you got to go to Jacksonville here in, in a couple minutes the rest of the show you're out but it's going to be John Gross uh, we've got Austin here for like 25 minutes at, no route tree or anything we're just focusing on the game so that was a good conversation and then uh, T. Martin, of course, uh, legendary quarterback. It's from a good University get by you. Well, and to be honest, I've been trying to get him for about three or four weeks to have this same conversation timely now and fitting. Um, and his guy out at USC was just like, well, you know, kind of a tough year right now. And yeah, he just had his play calling duties. This is at a couple different times. He mm-hmm. just had his play calling duties taken away by Clay Helton. And it, he was, the response he was coming back, and I was just like, Hey, absolutely fair. Like I totally get that, but um, even you know coming down the stretch here, he was able to sneak away. That was a conversation we had Wednesday. Also talked with Austin Wednesday, and Coach Cross was on Tuesday. So we're talking Friday morning. I think it's cool to hear throughout the week the different progressions from different mm-hmm. coaches and players, and obviously then the removed perspective of of T. Martin. But Austin Herring joked with me. He said, "Yeah, you're going from uh, one champion quarterback to another." I was like oh, that's true. That's another yeah, champion right. quarterback. National champion right. quarterback. I love that. Uh, yeah. Safe travels. Get the box of W, huh?
0: All right, Mike. Appreciate it. I'll uh, talk to you. By the way, I hope you have fun calling ETSU Men's Let's Basketball go. Saturday.
2: Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Fantastic. Thanks, Jeff.
0: All right. See you, man.
2: Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandos. When we are back, John Grosch, Jacksonville State head football coach. This is Sandos and the Sidekick Buccaneer Sports Network.
1: Congrats. You made it Yay! through National Ice Cream Day, National Hot Dog Day, <laughs> and even National Sunglasses Day. You took on the heat, took care of the yard, and even took a vacation. But now it's October, and you finally have a chance to breathe. And with that chance to breathe, also comes a chance for fun when you play new October Instant Games. Pick up one of four new games for a chance to win $1,000 up to a $1,000,000. Fall into some fun with new October Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly.
2: Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate eChecking accounts at citizensbank24.com. Wow Rate eChecking accounts at citizensbank24.com. Go Bucks. Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC.
4: Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or
5: allisonoutdoor.com. And go bucks. Are you having fun at
2: bedtime? Mm, you smell fresh as spring.
1: Hey, Frank, is this lettuce ready for the customers? No. No, not yet. Frank, they're perfect. Let go of the cart. No. Frank, now.
5: But I didn't get to say goodbye.
1: At Food City,
5: our produce experts are passionate about offering the freshest fruits and vegetables around. We're Food
1: City, and we're very picky about produce. Johnson City Way.
2: Welcome back on the Buccaneer Sports Network. It's the Sandos and the Sidekick FCS Playoff Special. And with the week being as busy as it has been around ETSU athletics and with the holiday Thursday, we had to get off the normal daily schedule to make sure we could cover all of our other duties here at ETSU. But let's be honest, if we didn't give you a primer for the Bucs' first playoff appearance in 23 years... We just would not be doing our job. I'm the sidekick, Mike Gallagher. In this segment of the program, we go to the other side of the ball. John Gross is the head coach of Jacksonville State, the Buck's first-round opponent Saturday, and he was very generous with his time. We were able to lob a number of questions at Coach, who definitely sounds like he has been to the playoffs before because he has. Every season he's been at JSU, as a matter of fact. So he almost sounded a bit tired of all the hoopla surrounding it.
5: New season playoffs, it kind of starts all over. Records out the window, and it's all about how you play. Um, you know, each and every Saturday, and you know, yeah, got another Saturday if you don't win. So, going back to this past weekend, that game was like a quarterfinal, semifinal game. The atmosphere was unbelievable. Uh, just the venue playing in the Braves Stadium was uh, really a neat deal. And uh, you know, we played well. I mean, uh, we should have ended the game in regulation because we'd have won the game. We had several chances to do that, but we didn't. You know, Kennesaw State played really well, and. You know found a way to tie the game up at the end and got the game into overtime and i don't think any of us would expect the game was going to go to five overtimes and if i'd known uh it was going to go that long i'd probably went for two in the second overtime it was a um exciting game to be in you know emotional roller coaster especially during that that overtime deal so proud of our guys now we um made plays and kept the game going and Yes, came up short, came up one play short and against a really good football team. So uh, you move forward, like I said, this new season and, and get ready to go in, into these playoffs and play a good, you know, East Tennessee State team.
2: So maybe some of coaches' minds still wrapped up in that game against Kennesaw State from last weekend that went five overtimes, but you could hear at the end of that, Coach knows there's no pushover across from his bunch today.
5: What Coach has done up there has been, um, you know, I haven't had a program back for like four years. And you know, it's gotten them into the playoffs out of that conference, which is a huge task. And they got a really good football team. They're solid defensively, you know, got a lot of speed on that side of the ball and exotic in the things they do as far as, you know, fronts and coverages. And, uh, you know, offense, we got a really good quarterback, got a good running back, got skill guys that can, uh, they're balanced. You know, it can beat you. So, they run it in, throw it. Got to work cut out for us. Glad we're playing at home. You know, just looking forward to Saturday.
2: Being a coach himself, Gross made sure to revisit one man's work with ETSU this year.
5: You just cannot overlook, uh, what Coach has done at ETSU in, in the four year period and him coming in and getting this done this year. I don't think anybody would have expected, you know, this to happen this quick for them. I look back and just, um, you know, we we'll want to pat him on the back myself. I mean, it's just an amazing you know, accomplishment to, to do that and start the program back. And I know. They got to be very proud of these seniors and just to get to where they are right now and, and be in the playoffs. And, and I'm sure coaches will have him prime and Ray Saturday. I'm sure they're not satisfied. Yeah, you with know, just where they are, you know, they, they want to win the game, and it's going to be a great football game. I think, you know, just matchups, it's a it's a good first round matchup.
2: Coach Sanders, of course, the man he is discussing earlier this week, named a finalist for National Coach of the Year by Stats FCS. At the tail end of that clip, you heard Coach talk about it being a good first round matchup, the perennial playoff participant, and the newcomer that ETSU is to the playoffs. So, with the experience Coach Gross's program has in the postseason, it could be viewed as a huge advantage for the Gamecocks. But Coach says. Not so fast. Well,
5: every team has its own identity. Every year is different. Some of our older guys, yes, if we got playoff experience, we do. Is that really going to affect this game? No. I mean, it's going to be how these two teams line up and play on Saturday. It does help you a little bit just in prep-wise of how to handle the week and and things like that, but that that don't give you an advantage. I mean, I I think just uh, whatever team – is the hungriest and, and, and plays well on that Saturday is uh is going to continue to play and you got to play a different level when you're in the playoffs. I mean it's just uh, there's some teams that you will know, we'll get hot during this playoff uh, run and, and I hope we're one of those teams.
2: So how strongly does coach feel about his team's ability to get hot and make a run as opposed to squads he's had in previous years?
5: This is um, a talented bunch. I mean I think we're really young. we gotten better as the year goes on we've jumped our toe along the way you know we, we lost three ball games which is unusual for us but all three of they, those games were very winnable for us and we grew a lot as a team from those losses uh, a lot of times you, you grow from your pain more than you do your your success so uh, I, I think these, this team has grown up and we're playing really good football right now you know we lost saturday you know, I thought we played well, and, and we played well enough to win the game. It was one of those games, KC, the team, you know, lose the game because both teams had played really well. Going into the playoffs, I feel good about where we are, and I think this team's got a chance to make a run. There's just something about playoffs.
2: You've
4: you
5: got to play at a different level. Hopefully this bunch is going to be able to do that and, and play well Saturday. It'll take that type of effort against C T S U.
2: One particular man, Coach Gross, was glad to see step up last week against Kennesaw State was Jalen Green, who has had five games with single-digit carries this year. But still leads a young core of backs in rushing. He's
5: coming around, and um, you know we played him a little more, gave him the ball more, and uh, he's an explosive guy. And uh, our backs are really young this year, so I mean it's been a learning curve there. And you know those guys have got better as they, and, you know they've gotten experience throughout the year. And uh, Jay's an explosive guy, and I think he had a big game, his best game on Saturday for sure. So we look for. him to continue that this week.
2: Green and company averaging 211 yards per game as a group nearly double what they allow to opponents on the ground. One of the issues for both teams in this semi-compressed week with not knowing who you're going to play up until Sunday afternoon and Thanksgiving in the way as well is getting familiar with the opponent, but coach is of the belief that at this point you are who you are and he sees some things from ETSU that reminds him of other teams that he's come across this season, which helps him prep.
5: I think at this point in time, you know, during the season, you know, you're not going to see much that you haven't seen, you know, during the course of a you know, eleven game season. So we have seen some of the stuff before. Everybody's a little bit different in what they do, and then uh, the game boils back down to matchups and the matchups you can create in the run game and the matchups you can create in the pass game. So they make it difficult. They're one of these teams that you know don't play the same every week. Uh, they'll, they'll go back play everybody a little bit different. You know, where there's a thing, uh, and everybody plays a couple different fronts, and you know they do that, and they match their coverages up with it. But uh, like I said, a little different, but but some. Or some other folks we have played.
2: Something that is always a battle for teams is outside factors, especially this time of year with FBS games gaining importance as the regular season winds down and the kickoff time being 7.30 for ETSU in Jacksonville State, the latest of any FCS first-round game, was no accident.
5: If you don't know anything about Alabama football, if you grow up in the state of Alabama like I did, you, you had to choose almost at birth. Your parents did whether you're going to be an Alabama fan or Auburn fan, so it would not have been wise for us to kick the ball off at, at three o'clock, you know, during that game. So you know, we do have a later kick because of that just to try to get you know crowd here and, and it being Thanksgiving weekend and you know Iron Bowl weekend, all those things. It's uh, kind of got to battle that a little bit, you know. But uh, I think our folks will come out. You know, I think they'll come out, and we have a true blue alumni of guys and, and gals that are going to be at our game. I mean, they, they're not going to miss our game. We we probably had in the Braves stadium we made up over half that crowd you know so our, our folks follow if it's drivable distance so they're going to be at the game so home game we should we should have a good crowd on
2: Saturday. The Gamecock stadium holds nearly 25,000 they're averaging a healthy 18,000 per home game. Coach's final comments on keys to victory he kept pretty simple.
5: We just got to be ready to play and you know, to play our best, I think our bunch knows that. You know, times when one side of the ball has not played well, you know, that's when you get beat in the playoffs. Everybody has to be playing at a high level and, and executing. And then turnovers are key. Playoff games are usually determined, you know, by the number of turnovers and something happening in the kicking game. Because, you know, teams you play in the playoffs are going to be good. They're there for a reason. So you just got to play good football.
2: Play good football, win the turnover battle, win the kicking game. Coach Gross. Certainly does sound like a coach, doesn't he? A big thanks again to him for giving us the time that he did. Back to talk more FCS playoffs on this special edition of Sandos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network.
0: Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics, Go Bucks!
2: 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has an all-new... You had me at Wendy's. Good, because Wendy's has a new bacon cheeseburger, and it's called... You
0: had me at bacon.
2: But what if I told you Wendy's kept going and added a smoky, tangy sauce? And it's called the Sausum Bacon... You
0: had me at Sausum.
2: It's called the Sausum Bacon Classic.
0: Sausum Bacon Classic? Sounds amazing. Why didn't you just say that from the
2: start? Also, if you download the Wendy's app, you'll get special offers like $2 off any combo.
0: Hmm, well, now you have me downloading the Wendy's app.
2: At participating Wendy's
1: for a limited time.
2: Mullican hardwood flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mullicans pre-finished sold or engineered, ready to install, selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson Kitty locations to learn more. Dockery's floor covering? House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring.
0: Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision. To deliver on our promise of great service you can count on embracing common-sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com.
2: New coach, new era, new day. Here from ETSU football head man Randy Sanders, all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change... Dopey. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz, still hosts from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSMAM 640, the extreme sports monster. Sandos and the Sidekick Special Edition FCS Playoff Preview here on Friday morning. Hope you all had a very happy Thanksgiving. Austin Herrick is joining us on Wednesday morning. Got to kind of tape everything throughout the week simply because of the nature of the week and what it is. And Austin's going to have Thanksgiving dinner, lupper, you called it, in the the Sunday night press conference. You're going to have that tomorrow. And uh, I'm sure it just feels awesome to be able to be in the situation where. You can be with the guys this time of year. There's an excuse to be around camps, excuse to be working out, an excuse to be getting ready for what very well could be the certainly a top five game in ETSU history in terms of football. But I mean, you're talking postseason, just the second appearance for ETSU football in the NCAA playoffs, first since 1996.
3: Yeah, so uh, I feel like the last few games have been the biggest games, or you know, some of the biggest games in ETSU history. It just seems like that has kind of been how the season's gone but no it, it's great to be here at this time of year and um to drive on campus this morning and um you know no one be here it's right. just you know the football guys and stuff so um practice will be different because it's a little bit earlier today and tomorrow will be different obviously cuz it's Thanksgiving but um you know that's that's all good things because if you're not celebrating Thanksgiving with your family you're you're with the team so that means you're continuing to play and uh, it's something that we haven't done here since we've been back so um, it's it's pretty remarkable to be in this situation. You mentioned in that
2: Sunday night press conference it was bumped up like 12-14 hours just to uh, go along with the schedule of this week and it didn't feel like your last game you said. You said you're on the field after and you woke up the next morning it just didn't feel like it's <clears> over. Why do you think that was?
3: I don't know I, I remember going back in the locker room after the game and really with that new locker room we hadn't celebrated or not celebrated but we hadn't had a loss every game had been a win so right. it just felt weird walking in there um because I think we we certainly could have won that game um just a few plays go a different a few different ways and you know we're talking about a whole different outcome and so you know, sitting in the locker room after that game something just didn't feel right and um someone told me that, like hey don't take off your cleats too fast because it could be the last time and i was like you know if it is yeah, you know, i'm at peace with it but i don't think it is i think we're definitely gonna get another shot and so i woke up uh sunday morning and the first thing i did was check you know all the projections and when we were in all of the projections i felt pretty confident that we were gonna play again so um yeah I, it's kind of like dr nolan said it like a phoenix rose from the ashes it's kind of like our program and Kind of like us getting another shot here with these playoffs.
2: I'm bitter that he took that line from me from that ESPN 30 for 30
3: video. I'm bitter. Back to Nolan stealing my material. There you go. Hey, you got to (laughs) take it from somebody. That's right.
2: Uh, The selection show, I thought it was funny because Nasir Player said that he wasn't really paying attention. Somebody had to text him or whatever, and he said you were in the training room and kind of glancing up, but, but it didn't really seem like a lot of guys made it a point to go out of their way and watch the selection show, and I guess... That, to me, and granted, I'm talking about two or three guys on a 90, 100-person team, but that, to me, nothing hit home more for the so-what-now-what or the do-what-you-can-control that Randy Sanders always preaches than that right there because a lot of the stuff that Randy says... And a lot of the stuff that you guys preach, and hey, it works, and this is not a dig on any of it because it's done incredible things, but it's a lot of cliche type stuff, you know? And so what it seems like from the outside is like, ah, you know, they're just giving you a couple lines and, you know, uh, whatever's going on on the inside is obviously working, but that's kind of the stuff for the media. But then I hear that and I'm like, geez, these guys really are 100% just, let's just do what we have to do to prepare if it does come and... You kind of let that just happen as it may, right?
3: Yeah. I've been a fan of sports my whole life. I've mentioned that, and I've watched plenty of interviews and stuff. And so when I hear those answers, that's where my my mind goes. It's like, you know, this is just the same old BS you get from players and coaches of, you know, we're just controlling what we can control. But I can honestly tell you Coach Sanders has never told me, hey, this is what you need to say or told any of our players. Like, this is how you handle the media. It's really – We just take what he says and run with it. And, you know, he didn't have a viewing party for us. He Mm -hmm. said, you know, we've got all these TVs in the dome, and so they'll be on those if you want to come over and watch it. But if not, you know, don't feel like you have to. And so I know there's people in the weight room watching it um, while they were working out. I was in there getting treatment in the training room, and it was on the TV.
2: Still taking care of your business. Everybody's still going about their business. Yeah,
3: just as if, you know, if it wasn't, you know, if we wouldn't have been in, I probably would have left and went to Pals and got me a burger <laughs> and, you know, celebrated my retirement. Um, but, you know, we were in, so it's really, you know, how we handle business. And, um, you know, we we get there on Sunday after we figure out we're in, and we go practice just as, as we would have if uh, – you know, we're just week 10 or something. And so every week is the same. Obviously the opponent changes. So you game plan a little bit different, but our schedule is you know the same and, and the reasons for winning, like coach says, never change. And so um, that's why we continue to do the same things and we just focus on what we can control and um, you know as cliche as it is that that's really what we do.
2: Yesterday, I was in here while the team was meeting. It's just always kind of how it works on Tuesdays. I've got a bunch of stuff down here to do on Tuesdays. I was in here while you guys were out in the room right next to our studio for the Buccaneer Sports Network where Coach Sanders was announcing the all-conference honorees. And I don't know what I guess I was expecting, but it was kind of cool, I thought, because Coach is going through the bevy of guys, right? Everybody gets recognized and he just says, oh, you know, you win. It's funny how these things kind of happen. And Every single guy it seemed like, huge ovation, guys are hooting and hollering. And again, I don't know what I expected, but I just thought that that was a really cool culminating moment of this entire year for guys to get some individual respect.
3: Exactly. You know, we had plenty of players that deserved it. And, um, you know, for Matt Pike to get the, the blocking award.
2: You said it, 40 starts now with you and yeah. Matt Pike.
3: Yeah, 41 coming 41, up. 41, right. Um, and so... He is—he's uh, a guy who you know doesn't talk too much. Offensive linemen don't get a ton of credit, you know, in the media and things like that, just because of the nature of their position. But um, he's a guy who comes to work every single day. He's the leader of that that bunch up front, um, and has just exemplified everything that um, you could have asked for in bringing this program back, and you know, doing the right things on and off the field, and um, just working so hard and going through those growing pains early and people always complaining like hey the offensive line uh, really isn't where they need to be yeah. and he's heard that and taken it and continue to work and continue to get better and um, I don't think anyone deserves that award more than him and so it was so exciting for me to see how he reacted when he you know found out that he got it and you know with Nasir and Tyree and you know, all those other guys, and Quay getting, you know, the recognition he deserves was really cool, and then someone actually mentioned to Coach, you know, who got Coach of the Year, he said, ah, oh, that doesn't matter, screw that, it's just <laughs> 5,000 bucks or something like that right. um, in this contract, but uh, no, it it was really cool to see that for our team and you know that was a big day for us because we haven't received that kind of recognition in previous seasons
2: so I'll tell you this uh, my mother uh, loves buck football and yeah. she's m- m- so bought into everything really that Randy's done too and listens to every game and is just a hundred percent into what's going on here and so bless her heart she texts me and says I can't believe Austin did not receive any award <laughs> what, what are they basing this off of? Like, Is it just stats? And I was like, yeah, Mom, it's kind of just stats for the All-Conference Awards. And she was like, well, if there was a perseverance or comeback player of the year, Austin Herrick is the guy that should have yeah. gotten it. And I was like, hey, I 100% agree. So just so you know, while you didn't get the All-Conference Award, at least my mother believes that you were 100% deserving of an award.
3: Yeah, no, I, <laughs> that to be honest with you, that's always been my goal is yeah. to be uh, first-team All-Conference. Mm-hmm. And obviously I never achieved that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, as I kind of reflect back on the way I played and, you know, my career here, I've I've never put up, you know, gaudy stats or anything. Um, in high school, the offense that I ran, you know, we, we were able to put up a lot of stats. So I was used to that, and I was like, oh, I'll do the same in college, but never really came to be. Um, but, you know, the way I play and the way, you know, our offense asked me to play, mm-hmm. it's really just, uh, you know, handling what, um, the play call and, and managing the game and keeping our team in situations where we have a chance to win, um, and so you know that that's not an easy job by any means, but um, it's something I take a lot of pride in because you, know, you have to stay mentally sharp and mentally focused throughout the whole game um, because each play means so much, and so. Um, while I'm I'm not receiving those awards, that doesn't bother me because I know there's you know the the guys around the league. Obviously, there's other good quarterbacks, um, and then the guys on our team receiving those awards. That I feel a part of those awards in, in some regards. So
2: well, well, if you think about it a certain way, you know, for someone on the outside of not really understanding what the awards are based off of, and I think there's a lot of people around Johnson City and around FCS football that are familiar with Etse's story, familiar with what you've done that would look at this team and think a lot of the same where it may not be the gaudy stats like you said and uh, you know didn't play for a couple of games there and so probably not gonna be an all-conference consideration but when this team really started to roll who was a quarterback when you had the biggest comeback in school history who was a quarterback so while those kind of non-quantifiable things uh, Mm -hmm. the more of the um, you really have to be into storylines and narratives uh, the fact that you maybe didn't receive an award. I think that your career, and especially this year, if people are paying attention, is one of the more incredible stories that's out there. And the fact that this team has kind of, and you're on the inside, and I know you would never admit this, but rallied behind your return and gone on this incredible run, I think says a lot more than an award ever could.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree. Um, I always felt like I had more of the, Intangible qualities than the tangible ones. Obviously, I don't have a rocket. Dual threat arm. guy, go to yeah, Memphis. Yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, I'm not, you know, very athletic. As coach would, you know, eloquently point out, you know, each week where I can't beat him in a race. Which, you know, he is a good <laughs> athlete as well. So. Um, that would be an interesting race. We may have to do something with that at some it's point. It's
2: Thanksgiving. You said he always compares you to an uncle in the backyard at Thanksgiving playing football.
3: Yeah, we may need to. Yeah, this would be a great week. Perfect time. We you to be on the team. Yeah, so, uh, but no, I, I always felt like I um, could contribute in other ways, and I had to, you know, stay on top of the way I prepared, the way I treated my teammates, the way I, you know, interacted with people around the program uh, to maximize you know, my potential. So um, I always felt like if I, you know, went out every day at practice and treated it like it was a Super Bowl and then, you know, in the locker room was trying to uh, uplift guys and and things like that, I could have probably a a bigger impact than I would (laughs) have if I just, you know, did what I could do on the field because I knew that that wasn't going to be some spectacular, you know, show. I'm not, you know, Patrick Mahomes. But I can impact our team in a way that, potentially could elevate everyone else's game, and that's what I felt like has kind of been my role.
2: Yeah, and it seems like you certainly have, at least from the outside looking in. I don't want to know how you're feeling ahead of this game. I want to know what you're feeling ahead of this game.
3: Well, um, you know, with the playoffs, it's the winner go home. You know, That's very real. So um, looking at it, everything's like, well, this could be my last Tuesday. This could be my last Wednesday. Um, And so I think that gives you an extra motivation When you're preparing and things like that like I'm about to go work out after this this potentially could be the last time I work out in the weight room Um, so all those things are at play Mm -hmm. but I think that Jacksonville State's an incredible opponent they're very talented Um, but I think in a way we match up well with them because of how um, how we prepare how we do things and you know how how coach game plans so Um, I think we all have complete trust and faith in him. He's going to put us in the right positions like he's done all year. Um, And so I think this is a tremendous opportunity. Um, We're playing a great opponent, but that just means if we're able to go down there and do what we're supposed to do, um, it'll be a tremendous victory. So we're all excited about that. This is new territory for us, um, but we've played in big games before. And I think that's going to be something that we can draw upon that experience and apply it to this.
2: Mike Rader and Billy Taylor always talk to us before um, each game, you know, Wednesday or Thursday. And we've already had our conversations with them again with the holiday. It just kind of makes sense. And the themes on both sides of the ball that they were talking about were talented and athletic with Jacksonville State. How do you counteract that? And it's no offense to you, like I said, recruiters a dual-threat quarterback to Memphis, but when you know, and I think you'd probably be the first to say this, you said it on on Sunday night, you're like, I don't really think that myself or Austin Gatewood or Dylan Weigel are really the most talented, quote-unquote, guys, but some grinders that work hard, have the right attitude, buy-in, etc. And it's no knock on your ability just looking at the D1 transfers, looking at their quarterback, Zarek Cooper from Clemson, three guys in their offensive line, or in the SEC at one point, and so on and so forth. Billy Taylor said their wide receiving core looks like a basketball team: a couple six-seven guys, a couple six-three guys. They could run a starting five out there. So, yeah. how do you counteract as someone that is in the position of underdog, quote unquote, mm-hmm. less experienced, having been not having been there yet, where they're there for the fifth year in a row? How do you go about that?
3: Yeah, um, it's kind of been. Going around the team like that whole Dallas Carter versus Permian deal, with that Friday Night Lights. <laughs> yeah. And so, how you counteract that is just being super disciplined um, by doing executing your assignment the best you can, because you have to really rely on technique and you know mental fortitude and all those things in games like this when you could be uh, you know outmatched physically. So, how do you respond to that? Just by doing your job and um, having a really high level of mental energy and focus. Um, because that's that's going to be really key for our success. If we go out there and we're undisciplined, we don't do our jobs and what we're supposed to do, um, then it could be a really long night for us. But um, I think that's one of the strengths of our team is being really disciplined and, you know, executing at a high level because, truth be told, you know, there's teams in the SOCON that we've beaten that have probably been more athletic than us and more talented. So if we can continue to do the things that we've done – I think we'll have a good position to to get accomplished what we need to accomplish on Saturday.
2: What have you seen on tape from them?
3: Same thing the coach just said. Long, athletic. Mm -hmm. Um, They play really hard, very physical. um, And obviously, you know, with the transfers and all that, super talented. So, yeah, you know, I I think they're going to go out there and, you know, try to get some pressure on me and try to man up the receivers and, you know, put the game in kind of our hands and say, beat us. Because, We've got these athletes. See if you can make plays on them.
2: We already talked to John Gross on this uh, special edition of Standouts and the Sidekick, FCS Playoff Preview, head coach for Jacksonville State, and he kept emphasizing that the team is young. He thinks it's very good in comparison to his other teams that he's taken to the playoffs, but very young. And I'm honestly less impressed with their team, after looking at some of the results this year, I'll kind of develop a theme for you here. So, got three losses, right? And he said that's just very unusual for them. He, he was very dissatisfied with three losses. Lost to number two, Kennesaw kind of State last week, five overtime. So, you kind of throw that loss out in the sense that that could have gone either way. Lost to number 11, North Carolina A&T. They were looking incredible early in the year, right? North Carolina A&T. They lost by three. So, again, one of those that can kind of go either way. And then they lost by 23 to Southeast Missouri in front of like 3,000 fans on October yeah. 20th. Do you focus on that game against Southeast Missouri as kind of a blueprint? And, and I'll go over kind of how it went here. Jacksonville State outgained Southeast Missouri, 422-288, to 288, but a blocked field goal, a safety, two fumbles lost, and three interceptions is what Southeast Missouri forced Jacksonville State into. Um, from 5.09 left in the second to 40 seconds left in the third quarter, 23 unanswered over a 19-minute span. So, wow. Knowing that that Southeast Missouri game kind of went that way and that this team, quite honestly, Jacksonville State, is a bit prone to mistakes. They show some of that youth. Uh, against North Carolina a 149 penalty yards on 14 penalties. Uh, a had a 98-yard kickoff return. Jacksonville State turned it over four times. They do make mistakes. There are opportunities there. And so when it comes to prep, you pull out that Southeast Missouri game simply because that was the game where Jacksonville State was you can't really say outclass because they outgained the other team but it was that big of a spread they were blown out a little bit
3: mm-hmm. i think um for me in my preparation i always try to look at the teams who run similar offenses to us so Semo mm-hmm. does have a similar offense to what we do mm-hmm. um, i watched the Austin P game last night and you know i'll continue to watch opponents that have similar offenses um, to us, but I think for the coaching staff, certainly you do look at those games and say, okay, what went right here for mm-hmm. SEMA? What did they do? And then you go look at a game where, you know, Jacksonville State had a lot of success and you look at what the other team did. Well, what went wrong here? Um, and so, you know, you, you draw from all those different, you know, experiences that have played out this season and you try to piece together what fits for your team. Um, I think that's that's the plan every week, but um, and certainly in a week like this where Jacksonville State is so talented and things like that, what can we do to put them in situations where they do make those mistakes? So um, I think that's something that the coaches and staff has done. I know they got the tape um, pretty late on Sunday night, and so they spent a long time, you know, working on that, mm-hmm. and you know Monday and Tuesday and now Wednesday we're really honing in on the game plan. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that's certainly things you go look at, the SEMO tape and, you know, other games where they won pretty big.
2: So knowing that they are mistake-prone, maybe young and talented but mistake-prone, again, nine combined turnovers in those North Carolina A&T and uh, Southeast Missouri losses, what do you as an offense need to do to help to make sure that you're doing everything that you can to keep either the defense off the field, put them in good positions, whatever you can, to leave those opportunities open for the defense and special teams, as we talked about, I mean, block field goal against them, kick return for a touchdown for those units to strike.
3: Yeah. I, I think we, we have to obviously take care of the football, mm-hmm. um, limit our mistakes and then um, just continue to execute. I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, the Wofford game or the Citadel game, you have to make each play really count um, because that's just the nature of the beast. So, um, if we can do that, if we can you know, control the ball, um, you know, execute our plays, convert you know, on third downs, things like that, um, then I think we'll put ourselves in a really good chance to um, have success. I think our defense is probably the strength of our team, very talented, and so um, I think if they get going, get some momentum, um, that'll really bode well for us and offensively just do what we normally do, which is you know, take care of the ball. Strike when the opportunity's there. Uh, We're not the most explosive offense by any means, but I think we can wear down an opponent with our running game and then converting on third downs.
2: Does this game almost lead you to be a bit more conservative in the fact that you are trying to be maybe extra careful, kid glove type thing to make sure that you don't make that mistake? Uh,
3: I I don't think so. I I think that, you know, with this game, we're going to have to take some shots. We're going to have to hit on some, you know, um, explosive plays because um, Jacksonville State certainly will at some point. So you have to kind of go blow for blow with them in that regard. Um, so, I, you know, you never you want to play um, smart, but you can't be greedy. You know, just – and you can't play scared at the same token. So um, that's something we're going to have to do is just, you know, trust our training. We've been doing this uh, since early in the spring. We know this offense at this point. And, you know, just go out there and do what we do.
2: Jacksonville State is 8th in the nation in total defense, 12th against the pass, 15th against the run. But, as we talked about, 17 turnovers forced to 22, committed 91st in the nation in turnover margin. I hear optimism in your voice, and I don't think I'm very surprised, but I think I'm more surprised for myself because I generally tend to be a cautiously enter optimistic rather than extremely optimistic. Um, I've definitely skew towards pessimist a bit more but again after looking at all these stats those couple of losses it just for whatever reason seems to fit a Buccaneer 2018 football game in the fact that the defense is so opportunistic. If mistakes are there they've taken advantage and as an offense like you said I mean there's a ton of things that you can do on your side of the ball to be able to ensure that this game is not only close but with so many wins in the end, as you've had this year, that you pull it out late and, and probably shock some people.
3: Yeah, I, I think that um, there's certainly some, you know, things there that bode in our favor. Um, but it all comes down to Saturday night and, and taking care of, you know, what we need to take care of. You know, our, our defense is going to have to play well. We're going to have to play well. We're going to have to play well in the kicking game. And so, you know, while there is a lot of optimism there, and you know, things could kind of play out in our favor. We have to go out there and you know take the opportunity and you know do what we need to do, because if not, um, if we go out there and don't play a really good game, then it's not going to turn out well for us.
2: Have a good holiday with the guys. Save travels. Buck Nation's behind you on set. All
3: right, thank you. Appreciate it. Austin Herrick, championship
2: quarterback in the SoCon, and after this, a championship quarterback from 1998. <laughs> T. Martin will be joining the program to talk. Randy Sanders, talk a little bit about himself as well, but what makes Randy – the coach that he has been, did T. Martin see this kind of thing coming? He knows a little bit about coaching as well. He's been in the coaching game for, geez, a better part of about 15 years now. Offensive coordinator out at USC. That's when we're back on Stand-Ups and the Sidekicks Special Edition FCS Playoff Preview on the Buccaneer Sports Network.
3: Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product
2: experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets, high-performance gas ranges, or low-decibel dishwashers.
3: They're really quiet.
2: Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever.
0: Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson.
3: Purchasing a new home? Remodeling your home? First Bank & Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC.
1: This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this... This is the Pepsi for American pastimes.
2: Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway, he scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. all your printing needs welcome back to the special edition of Sandos and the sidekick my name is mike gallagher and we've been looking to have a man that would have some familiarity with head coach randy sanders on the show for a few weeks now to see what said individual thinks of coach sanders his teachings his work why they think he's had success and had success so quickly here at Well. I think we found perhaps the best person in football to speak on that, a man that played under Coach Sanders, a man that coached alongside him at Kentucky earlier this decade, and a man that just generally knows a bit about winning and coaching himself, T. Martin, offensive coordinator at USC, national champion in this same state in 1998, a man that lives in legend in Tennessee and joins us now. Thanks for the time, Coach Martin.
4: Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on the show.
2: Well, before we talk about your relationship with Randy and share some good Sanders stories, I want to make sure to talk a little T. Martin. all storylines aside from this year where you're currently coach, because anyone can Google all that if they want. Seven years, it seems like, Coach, is a long time to be in a Power 5 college football spot these days, and you've had a ton of success, highly touted around the game, well-respected. Characterize your time in nearly your seven full seasons and counting at USC.
4: Uh, just been a blessing. I would just sum it up by saying that, and uh, – uh, been around some really good football coaches, uh, guys who I uh, looked up to and learned a lot from before. I actually had an opportunity to work with them. Um, being the person that hired me, uh, and Lane Kiffin, Lane and I had a relationship uh, before USC, and uh, I was always on the on the scene with quarterbacks, and we had an opportunity to talk a little bit during that time. And when he was the head coach at Tennessee, uh, you know, Taj Boyd was a young man that I had worked with, and uh, Lane you know, reached out to me in regards to Taj Boyd and other quarterbacks, Cam Newton, and people of that nature, and uh, when he became the head coach at USC, I was I was looking for an opportunity uh, to move up and learn and uh, offer me the job, and I've uh, been here ever since. Steve Sarkisian comes in after him, and Sark had been my quarterback coach with the Oakland Raiders, and so we had a previous relationship, and then Clay and I, um, who uh, succeeded Sarkisian, we have been working together here as assistants, and Uh, He becomes the head coach and gives me the opportunity to be the offensive coordinator, and so it's been it's been a blessing. Been around really good people, great university, uh, young men that want to win, and that's all you can ask for.
2: Let's talk family for a second. I read that your son, who I believe now is in ninth grade, got an offer from Alabama last winter, and I don't want to go down the recruiting road simply because I know that that can be kind of dicey being in collegiate athletics yourself. I simply bring that up just to show the kind of talent that runs in the Martin family. Sounds like Dad might have some company in college football lore, Coach. I'm sure you're excited to see what he can do when that time comes.
4: Yeah, it's it's just awesome to see that. You know, uh, he and his brother, you know, are are really taking off in their careers in Amaris at Clemson doing really well. I remember Randy, matter of fact, and, and Joker Phillips offered Amari as a freshman mm. at Kentucky, and uh, that was his uh, first offer. We we kind of laughed at it. We thought it was funny. Didn't know how serious it was, and, uh, and then he pans out. And then Cajun, uh, kind of the same thing with Mike Loxley being the offensive coordinator at, at uh, Alabama. I worked with Mike Loxley at New Mexico as his quarterback coach when he was the head coach at New Mexico. And now that he's the OC Alabama, he has uh, a history with Caden. And uh, I sent some BAM to them. And, you know, a few minutes later, he offered him a scholarship.
2: Okay, I want to dive right in here, Coach. I need your best Randy Sanders story. And this isn't live, so don't worry. I can go back and add it if I need to.
4: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the hard Man, hitting ones right start? off the top. No, Coach, Coach Sanders, I, I just say uh, there are plenty of stories. And Randy, if you guys know him, has a very good sense of humor, and he can make you laugh. And he's a great storyteller, a really great football coach. I just remember him uh, taking over uh, for David Cutcliffe in our preparation for the national championship game. And, and we're sitting there getting ready for talk about plays and all this stuff. And he goes, well... Before we talk about these plays, I didn't even know what you like and what you don't like. We got to get to the point. <laughs> and uh, from that moment, I said, man, it's a real guy right here, man, and, and we can work together. And uh, and so right then and there, I knew he was someone that I could talk to that not only talked with him, but would listen. You know, a lot of coaches uh, kind of hear you, but they're waiting for you to shut up and, and tell you what to do. You know, Randy was a great listener. and. Uh, he listened to what I had the way that I thought and what I was comfortable with doing. And we had a short time to get to know each other because he was calling plays for the biggest game in Tennessee history at the time. And, um, and he called a heck of a game. I trusted his calls and we won the game.
2: What was your experience with Coach Sanders like in totality at Tennessee, T? I think that. You had a couple of years with them working in prevalence, right, in a really big role. So talk about what Coach Sanders was like to work with. You mentioned he just made you comfortable right away. That's a real special skill.
4: Right. And, and the relationship goes back even before he was a coordinator. Mm. Uh, Randy, he was the coach that signaled in the plays oh, wow. uh, on game day. And so, you know, uh, all throughout that year or even going back previous years with Peyton being there, uh, we always had to look at Randy for the play call and the signal. Right. And so when you come off the sideline, uh, David Cutcliffe was upstairs. The first person you would talk to coming off the sideline was Randy. Wow. He always he always had that sense of uh, calm and confidence that let's talk about it, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. And you always felt that it was going to be okay when you talked to Coach Sanders. And so, uh, and so when he took over as the offensive coordinator, we were all rooting for him because – Uh, for the most part, he recruited most of us and signed most of us. Um, And we were just rooting for him. He was a young coach on the staff that had energy, had a bright mind, and uh, we just couldn't wait to to play for him.
2: Such a unique perspective you have, Coach, because you had about a decade apart from Randy, then you're reunited at another SEC school, Kentucky, that we've talked about. I'm curious how your time together differed from one place to another, aside from the obvious that you were peers rather than coach-player.
4: Right. Uh... Man, he's he just an unbelievable person. Um, before I ever knew I was going to be a coach, mm-hmm. um, Randy would, would, would come to Atlanta when he was recruiting, and uh, we would get together, eat, and just, he'd come by my house, and we would hang out, just talk. He always said, you're going to coach, you're going to coach. And I was like, man, I'm never going to coach. you got to <laughs> spend too much time, and you're always traveling on the road. But he used to always say that. He used to talk, we used to talk about what the job was like, and kind of things that he would do during his day-to-day, you know, jobs where he was. And sooner or later, I got in the coaching profession. And I was at New Mexico, and uh, Joker Phillips became the head coach when Rich Brooks retired. And Randy gave me a call. He said, hey, man, I know you're coaching quarterbacks, but we have a job for you in Kentucky if you don't mind coaching wide receivers. Hmm. And that really uh, opened me up, and the conversation we had was, you know, he played quarterback, but he, he broke his teeth in the game as a running back coach. And sometimes it's it's good for you to get out of your comfort zone to make you a better coach. And uh, he, he offered me that opportunity, giving me a chance at, at Kentucky uh, to, to coach under him, to learn him, and, and a guy like Joker Phillips as well.
2: It's so interesting, Coach. We actually talked to Donnie Abraham earlier this year, too, and he kind of said the same type of thing that you did about not really ever thinking that he would coach, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're coaching. How does that happen?
4: Well, uh, man, I think the opportunity knocks, and when you love the game and you can't play anymore,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: you uh, it, it, it's the closest thing to the feeling you have when you play, and you can compete. It's, it's a different type of competing But you're competing, you're close to the game, it's emotional, uh, it keeps you busy. uh, And when you're working with people that you know care about you, and uh, one of the reasons why I really got into the game of coaching was, uh, in the coaching game was, it was always with people that I knew were good friends that Mm -hmm. cared about me, and Mike Lossley and Randy Sanders. uh, And so uh, I was blessed and fortunate in, in that regard to uh, Start my career with good
2: people. Let's get back to Randy. The thing with the guys here, Coach, and this is something I've asked around about with the players, Randy himself, other coaches, and it seems hard to pinpoint a concrete answer is that everyone has bought into what Randy has preached. That's not easy to get guys to do, especially seniors and upperclassmen in general that are used to doing it one way. You come in as a first-year coach, but everyone's into it. What from Coach Sanders may instill that kind of belief in others?
4: Um, trust. Mm. Um, and that's the one thing that I felt he could do better than anybody I had ever been around. Mm. And because the one thing you know is that he's gonna tell you the truth. Whether you like it, don't like it, you may think you're playing good and he's gonna tell you, you suck. You're you're gonna you're gonna make a bad play and he's gonna let you know you made a bad play. And then he's gonna hug you around the neck when you make a good play. And I think players appreciate that. And people appreciate the truth. And, uh, and it builds trust. And so with him, it's a connection. Whether you're a recruit and he sits down in the living room with you and your family, you feel that, you know, this guy is going to, I'm going to be fine if I go with this guy. Mm. And uh, I think, you know, whether it was Jamal Lewis or Travis Henry, all of those backs, Aaron Foster, you know, and the list goes on and on the amount of people he signed at the University of Tennessee. I just It is one thing people may not know. About Randy was he was a recruit coordinator and was responsible for building a lot of our successful players and, and putting those classes together at Tennessee during that time. Um, and I think people don't leave the state of Louisiana or state of Alabama or wherever we were all coming from. Uh, California, talking about Dante Stalworth, all these guys. If you don't trust the guy, and, um, and and that's one thing I would say. I think his team. Uh, knows that he's going to stay consistent in what he's saying because it's the truth and that you can trust it.
2: ETSU fans love to hear that. That means consistent success coming up, so that's great to hear. I'm sure there's things when you look at yourself, Coach, that you take from everyone that you've worked with and that now reflect your practices. Anything you've taken with you that Randy shared with you, you saw from him, or he taught you?
4: Two, I I learned from Coach Sanders that we're all going to work hard, Mm And it's a hard job, whether it's a player or as a coach, but you gotta have fun. And Randy would always open meetings with stories, jokes, riddles, and it lightened up the moment. And then we went to work. And so uh, it wasn't. It's not always like that everywhere. And it was a breath of fresh air for me as a as a, as a quarterback to have a coach that we're going to work hard. We're going to grind. We have the toughest job on the field, but we're going to have a smile on our face when we do it. We're going to have a good time. And I really appreciate that uh, from Coach
2: Sanders. Uh, That's awesome. Coach, thank you so much for the time. And let me just tell you that countless University of Tennessee fans I talked to around this area were clamoring for T. Martin to get the job up the road when it was open last year around this time. There's a lot of love for you around these parts. Wish you the best, and thanks again.
4: No problem, Mike. Good luck, guys. You Take
2: care. That was T. Martin to wrap up our playoff preview special edition of Sandos and the Sidekick here on the Buccaneer Sports Network and I'm not sure we could have done it any better way, right? You've got a guy that won a national championship in this state with a man trying to lead ETSU to a national championship on staff at Tennessee when he did that and really directly involved with T. Martin during that time. And as we found out during that interview, maybe a bit more involved during the entirety of T's career at Tennessee than we even knew. Thanks so much to him again for the time. Tough to fit us in this time of year, but he was able to do so. We went from SoCon champion quarterback, Austin Herrick. Great conversation with him to national champion quarterback, T Martin. Before that, it was John Gross to talk Jacksonville State side of the ball. Very informative conversation with him. And then of course, off the top, it was Jay Sandoz. And head coach Randy Sanders from The Coaches Show on Wednesday night. Jay now already down on the road to Jacksonville. And tomorrow night, 7.30 is kickoff. 6 o'clock pregame. ETSU trying to pick up only their second playoff victory in the program's history. Join us, 6 o'clock, Buccaneers Sports Network for all the action.